Welcome back. We're in Titus chapter 1. We'll start off with verse 1 and continue from there. Let's go. Titus 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. We talked about this last time. This is Paul writing a letter to Titus. He also wrote letters to letters to Timothy. They're known as the pastoral epistles. And uh, we're going to learn a lot. This is a short book, but an incredible book. So Paul's saying he's a bondservant. That means he's a willing slave to his master, God. He was willingly freed, freed from the sin, the penalty of sin. But he chose to serve God, not to go and live for his own flesh and for his own free will, all self-indulgent stuff, right? He decided, I want to live my life on purpose, sacrificially for God. And that's what we should all be doing. And we can all do better at that, myself included. But we want to start there, right? It's the decision for Christ, and it's the decision to turn to Christ as our master, not living our lives as they were before, but new lives. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. This was by divine appointment rather than by personal decision, in contrast to a bondservant, which was by a personal decision. He was to evangelize and educate and to lead others to Christ. But guess what? You are to do the same. You may not be an apostle, but you are a bondservant if you decide willingly to say, I want to serve Jesus. And it doesn't stop there. It's not just about going to church and having your little quiet time and your small group and praying to God. That's all learning stuff, growing closer to Christ and learning about yourself and conforming your character to the character of God. But that's not evangelizing and helping others. You are also to go out publicly, right? A relationship with Jesus, there's, it's part private and part public. The private part is just between you and God, learning, talking, praying, and all that. And then you go out to the world, and you be transparent with them. Here's who I was. Here's who I am. I still still struggle with sin, but I'm not forever penalized by the penalty of sin because I've been freed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're not telling people about Jesus, do it, right? This is not an option. God doesn't say, hey, we have a special place in heaven for those who evangelize, right? This is part of it. You're, you're, if you're truly born again, then you are going to want to honor God in your word and your deeds. All right. And um, it says, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, this is that Jesus would be manifested through our lives, our actions and our deeds, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's a privilege to do that, and we should understand it as a privilege and go after it and have joy doing it, right? There's some... uh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And most religions out there are focused on what you have to do. What you have to do to either please God or what you have to do to be in conformity with some traditions of some man-made rules from some false church. Right? This is not that. Judaism has over 600 rules that they're supposed to follow. And then you've got Islam that has certain prayers and how you say certain names and say certain prayers and all this stuff. Mormonism, you can't do this, you can't do that, you have to do this, you have to do that. That's all man-made stuff, right? The relationship with Jesus is not built around a system of rules and to-dos and have-to-dos. It's, it's filled with, I love Jesus. Jesus made, uh, died for my sins. I have a personal and direct relationship, communication with God the Father because Jesus is our intermediary. And there's no longer this big, huge veil that stands between us that sin separated us from God. We have direct access to the throne room, and we get to have that relationship, and we get to tell others about that. And that's the beautiful thing. That's what's so different about Christianity versus religions. All right, and then it says, In hope of eternal life with which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. 
right? So we have that this word hope is huge. It's huge, right? It is a hope that is so positively understood that it's tangible, right? When people see Jesus in your life, they should see that that hope is so full that they're like, it's got to be real, right? It's not just this, uh, are you going to go on vacation next year? You know, I hope so. Are you going to have ice cream tonight? I hope so. Something like that. Or, you know, you're going to retire you know, 10 years earlier than your friends? I hope so. Right? This is a, I've read the Bible. The Bible's true. 66 books written by 40 different people over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages on three different continents, over 20,000 manuscripts, over 20,000 archaeological findings of facts, peoples, figures, places, stories, over 300 prophecies fulfilled in Jesus alone. The fact that the disciples who wavered before Jesus' death, all but one, died because they would not denounce their faith in Christ or who Jesus was. One central theme and no contradictions. How is that possible? Because it's the Word of God. It's His love letter to us. So you feel it so strongly, that personal relationship, that your hope is tangible. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we want to see. That's what God wants to see. And that's what we want to see in each other hold each other accountable, encourage each other, edify each other so that we can go back out, right? Because this life is hard. The demons are against us. The devil's against us. But God wants us to get back up in his character and to persevere and to tell people about him. So it says, in hope of eternal life, what's that hope that we have? Eternal life, as opposed to what? Eternal death, right? Your soul will live on. It will live on in one of two places, either in hell or in heaven. In hell or in heaven. In hell, which was built for the devil, not for you, but God allows you to go there if you so choose to do so. If you choose to reject him, that's where you will go. Or you can make the decision for Jesus. It's that simple. You don't have to do anything except for declare that Jesus is Lord, that he died for your sins, and that you ask forgiveness on, uh, uh, to be cleansed of your sins, right? It's as simple as that. And if you do that, then you have eternal life. And what a cool thing is that. And he says that you can't be snatched from his hand. So it's eternal life. It's not temporary. It's not, oh, i got to do these rosemaries or I'm going to lose it. Oh, I forgot to go to confessional this week, so if I die, I'm screwed. And there is no purgatory. There is no in-between, right? That's one or the other. And hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie. That's right. God cannot lie. The Creator has no reason to lie to his creation. Why would he have any reason to lie to his creation? And since we know the Bible to be true, which we just talked about, then we can trust it. And we know that he won't lie. He won't lead us astray. It's not like he's saying something in the Bible that he's going to turn out to be wrong and we'll get to heaven and I'll be like, ah, man, I shouldn't have told you that. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Or, yes, I, I deceived you, but it was for a good purpose. No. Right? God didn't create evil. He allowed the opportunity for evil. He doesn't tempt you. He tests you, but he doesn't tempt you. And he doesn't cause you to do anything bad. He will allow, in his sovereignty, he'll allow you to make your own free will. He'll allow circumstances to be not what you want and all for purpose, right? All things work together for good to those who love God, Romans 8, 28. And then we've got Genesis that we just studied in the last podcast, fifty twenty, Genesis fifty twenty that says, you meant evil for me. Uh, God meant it for good, right? So powerful. All right, verse 3, but has in due time manifested his word. Uh, oh, I for, uh, more of verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So he, he promised from the very beginning that you can be with him in heaven. All right? And he, he knew this. And he tells us that in creation. And Adam and Eve, they, they were going to live this life forever. But then they sinned. 
and they needed to be covered, and a sacrifice was required, and that's why their fig leaves were no good. They needed to be covered, covered by the blood, uh, by blood. So they, uh, an animal was skinned and, and put around them. They were more aware of things, and then God made them aware that they could atone for their sins. That there was a way to do that. There was a way out, and He doesn't lie. Verse three, but has in due time manifested His word through preaching, which is committed to me. That's, this is to Paul speaking, according to the commandment of God our Savior. So remember, it says, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me. This is Paul. Remember, Paul, before his name was Paul, was Saul. And his purpose in life was to kill Christians. Not just persecute them and be mean to them and spit on them and punch them and stuff, but to kill them, right? And he did so joyfully. He'd go down hunting them. He was like the Osama bin Laden of his day. And yet, God got a hold of him. God got a hold of him. He once was blind, but now he could see. And who, who is Paul to us? He actually wrote the majority of the New Testament. This is a guy who used to hunt down and kill Christians, right? Amazing. Um, so this was his gift from God. It was preaching, and one of his gifts. And he didn't waste it. Here's the big question. What is your gift? What is your gift from God? And are you using it for his glory or for your own? I see so many people who have gotten a gift from God, whether it just be kind of the, the gift of happiness and joy. There's a lot of gifts, right? Maybe it's happiness and joy. I'm just going to make up some. Uh, maybe it's the ability to make money. And some people may say, oh, that's, that's such a spiritual gift. Hey, it can be a, a gift or a circumstance, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of people make money and don't do anything with it except for you know, idolize themselves. Uh, there's people who have the, uh, an amazing ability to go out and preach, and they don't, they don't do it, or to teach, and they don't do it, or to evangelize, and they don't do it. So what is your gift? Think about it and say, how do I use this for your glory? And just start using it. Just start using it, because it'll bless you through that. A car was built, built to go on gas, and if you put something other than the gas, it's going to peter around, and it may just plunk, plunk out at some point. So you put the right type of gas in it. Certain cars run on diesel. Certain cars need premium gas, right? The gas that you run on is that gift that God gave you. And if you're not filling it with the Holy Spirit, if you're not filling it and using that gift that God gave you, you're not going to run optimally, right? Not even close to it. So tomorrow we will pick up in verse 4. You pick the best application for you today, but maybe the best one is to think about what's your gift and how can you use it for the, to glorify God instead of glorifying yourself or instead of hiding it and not using it. Lord, thank you so much. Each of us has been equipped differently. You've equipped us with different places to live, different family situations, different friend situations, different mental and physical abilities, different spiritual gifts, Lord, and just gifts overall that we can use for your glory. Help us not to use them for our own. Help us not to um, covet. Help us not to covet someone else's gift. Help us not to be mad at someone because their gift is better or they're, they're more powerful with it or more worldly successful, Lord. Help us to understand those gifts and go out to use them to glorify you. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.